It's all right. I always forget to record. Everyone All right, does. cool. So why are we here? What is this roundtable discussion about? We have an ability to have a large amount of extra smart people in our industry coming together to be able to really understand what exactly we're trying to overcome in our industry and what's next. That's what this is about. And so tonight we have a special guest of Steve Alexander from Anagram. But before we get started, um, I am actually going to go ahead and share my screen and I wanna show you a few little tips and tricks. So let's see here, move this down, hide all of you so I won't be able to see you, okay. Here we go. So I want to start by thanking Peak Artisan Lab Network. Peak Artisan Lab Network is actually the company that I work for. Uh, this is a network of doctor-owned laboratories that we have recently built here in Denver, and then one in Oregon has been built back in 2018. This particular lab is continuing to grow and expand all across the country. So I am very excited to be able to say that we are now local here in Denver. And I actually have a gentleman on the call that I wanted to introduce you to. And this person is Buddy Smith. Buddy, you are the manager or the director of operations of Peak Artisans, correct? Yes. Hello, Hi. everyone. Thank you, Buddy. <laughs> How are you? So tell me a little bit about why you wanted to join Peak Artisan Network. Um, I think the network really is, it's got a, a really stronghold on the uh, market for the independent practices. Uh, I've always, I've worked for big companies. I worked for independent practices and always had a tighter relationship with my owner operators than I did with my big controlling corporate officers. Um, so really being able to add value to that part of the market where I've seen the recent struggles and uh, I really think that we can make a huge impact here in the local market. So I'm, I'm super excited to serve, serve the new market here in Denver and be a part of this movement and I'm super excited. So tell me a little bit about what makes Peak Artisans different than say the average local lab. Wow. Um, you know, everybody likes to tout that they're the best, right? Um, uh, I've got a lot of experience. I don't want to talk too much about myself, but just the, uh, the, the culture that we cultivate at the lab, you know, everybody is so tuned in on First of all, listening, right? We we need there's we need to listen to our accounts. What are you guys missing? How can we be strongest for you? That's the biggest part. The flexibility that um, Brandon, the CEO, uh, Rachel, the COO, Jim, Lena. There's so much flexibility to where we can lean in and help a lot deeper than your typical corporate local lab because they've got to check with so many people. We're very flexible very open. And again, the quality that you're going to uh, see coming out of our lab is, is going to be second to none. Awesome. I love hearing it. So how many years of experience do these lab techs have here at Peak? Uh, myself, 23 plus years. Um, our, uh, our lab supervisor, 26 years plus. 
our customer service gals, uh, 20 plus years. We do have a new a new person that we're training on board. So plenty of years of experience uh, behind the scenes. So we're ready to go. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I also want to share a little bit, moving on a little bit to continuing education. So we have Dylan from the Opticians Association of Colorado on today. And I want to hear a little bit more about this barbecue you have going on. Yes, awesome barbecue coming up. Actually, I think this is the first year we've opened it up to um, anyone. Uh, yeah, and I think we've already got like 40 people again, like RSVP planning on showing up, which will be by far our biggest turnout. So, um, but this is just one fun event that we put, uh, you know, out there. We try to do it. We've been trying to do this for a few years. Um, no networking. You know, I mean, it's entirely networking and fun. There's no CE. There's no real education. This is just kind of a value add to the Auditions Association. Um, and, uh, but what's, what's really cool about the association, this is great. I think we're going to have Qdoba and we usually, there are plans to have a lot of beer. Um, but, um, it's really the other stuff that we've finally got some momentum with, uh, this last year. I mean, we always do the Blackhawk thing, which has been fantastically successful. We fine tuned it. We've got the recipe for that. Um, but Daniel Livingston, the president of the OAC, just launched Elevate and teamed up with a PhD to kind of help create conceptually um, some stuff that that'll help anybody, you know, our industry and beyond, but a lot of really transferable higher level skills. Um, and then also another opportunity to network with, you know, high achieving professionals, ODs, um, opticians, you know, whoever, but people looking to actually elevate their career sort of like this, you know, and so um, that's just one, Heather Harrington is really stepping up her um, contributions. She's got a, uh, we've got a year end kind of recap where we're actually going to focus on goal setting um, and, you know, uh, and then figure out, you know, where we were the year before. A lot of these practices don't even know how to utilize their metrics um, or really, you know, systematically evaluate or grow their business. So that's another awesome opportunity that's available. Uh, I don't know anywhere that, you know, you can do your research yourself for free, but otherwise it's it's hard to find a resource that's not really expensive or readily available. Um, we, I think we've got something coming up with you in uh, Silhouette next year. I don't know the details, yeah. but I'm waiting on to hear back from you. Um, to be determined. And, yeah, and there's, there's, um, I know there's, oh, COA this next week. We were invited to actually attend and present. Um, um, and then, you know, who knows? There's a variety, but we've, you know, amplified our efforts roughly five times this year. We expect it to continue to increase next year. Um, we first time ever we've seen a flip in the association um, from CE to ABO prep. So there's an obvious cultural, you know, shift. A demographic shift and um and yes. so we're playing you know i think there's we play a really important role in the cultivation another generation of uh opticians you know technicians um in colorado 
but in the region, you know, and, and, you know, doing stuff like this uh, extend beyond, but there, I don't think there are enough resources available right now. So anything we can do, um, you know, yeah, absolutely. I think that a majority of practices cr across the country has really felt that change in new blood in our industry. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that uh, there's a lot of us that need to go ahead and just wrap our arms around them and give them the staff development and the training they absolutely need as soon as possible. You're absolutely right there. Um, put a one in the chat if you have had a newbie that worked at Starbucks yesterday and is now. <laughs> And, and is now on the floor today. Yeah, it's pretty common. It's absolutely common. All right, so let's go ahead and move over to the next screen, please, Sam. All right, so because we have those newbies, I created an academy called Lightbenders Academy. This is an eight-week course that absolutely will take that person and train them from the ground up so then you don't have the other new person trying to train your other new person. This here, if you work with Peak Artisans Labs, is a completely free option for you. If you don't choose to partner with Peak Artisans Labs, there is a small fee. Go ahead and switch to the next one, Miss Sam. And now for our featured presentation, Steve Alexander with Anagram. Steve, thank you so much for um joining us tonight i have a couple of questions that i wanted to throw your way okay. is it okay I'm if ready. i just go ahead and get started hit me perfect so mr wordsmith first and foremost i would really like to hear what your favorite quote is uh that is a tough question to answer it'll vary by the day um today uh, it's the same answer I gave you, I think, uh, last time we spoke, and that mm -hmm. is um, it's uh, the most important step you can take isn't the first one. It's the next one. Always the next one. Mm, I like that one. Based on what you do, tell me a little bit about who Anagram is. What is Anagram? How are you serving our eye care industry? Uh, Anagram is a software company. We built a the first in the industry toolkit to allow practices to identify out-of-network vision benefits for their patients and file those claims on behalf of their patients. Um, if I were to describe like what the service that Anagram offers, it is the mechanism by which a practice can better evaluate their vision insurance relationships and make better, more informed decisions about which insurances or vision plans make sense for them to accept on an in-network basis and which ones it makes sense for them to accept on an out-of-network basis. Mm. There are some other ways to kind of look at it, but the, the thrust of what Anagram does is it gives you choices where I've been in the industry for over 20 years. I started as an optician when I was 16. And when I started, I, I was at a Pearl Vision in the suburbs of Chicago. And we were in network with IMED. And back then, the reimbursement for an eye exam was $40. And I remember the first paycheck I got from Pearl, I used to get an oil change. So that oil change cost me $22 with tax. Smash cut to 20 plus years later, the IMED reimbursement is still 40 bucks and an oil change is about 80. Yeah, boy, have times changed, right? So- In some ways. 
something that I hear in the industry about Anagram is that it can be a little difficult to use. So can you explain the process to us? Sure, yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about what Anagram is and what it isn't. But in, in a nutshell, the software works um, pretty simply. You gather the same kind of information about your patient that you would on an in-network basis. So first name, last name, date of birth, last four of their social, you put it into our platform and then we search. You'd have to know the vision plan that the patient has, but uh, once you put that in, we identify if the patient has benefits. If they do, uh, we'll let you know what the reimbursements are going to be, and then you're able to file the claim directly to the vision plan from within the platform. In my uh, experience, the issue with um, how easy it is to use has very little to do with the software itself and has a lot to do with the process that is built or more accurately not built around it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there was a quote that you had told me the other day that it, it was because we've always done this is the worst reason to continue to do this. Can you give me more information on what you meant by that? We live, uh, we work in an industry that is ripe with experience and knowledge and talent and also routine and tradition and heritage. And some of those are great and some of those are less than great. So in my time uh, in eye care, all of the major publications have said something to the effect of fill the chair, fill the chair, fill the chair. And that's sort of the uh, guiding principle for a lot of folks trying to build their business. But what has changed in the last 20 years is the revenue value of an individual patient sitting in that chair. I'm always really reticent to uh, reduce a patient down to just the revenue figure. But in this context, it's important that every practice and practitioner recognizes that if they're not profitable, they will be able to see zero patients. So um, yeah. If you if you think about things in terms of revenue and in terms of quality of life, like Dylan is saying, uh, uh, kind of an unpleasant mill, in, or, in order to make as much top line revenue now as you were making five years ago, you have to see more patients. And that takes nothing into account as it relates to the bottom line of your revenue. So your exam fees are maybe they're growing, but what you're actually collecting is dropping and your cost of doing business every step of the way is going up and vision insurances, vision plans aren't raising your reimbursements. So when I say, because we've all, always done it this way is the worst reason to continue doing it, it is. it speaks to me about a disinterest in understanding what's actually happening. I so agree. I think something that these managed vision care companies have done really well at is telling us that you need to push cattle, more people, more people, 10 minute eye exams, hurry up, hurry up. And um, I think something that 2020 taught us was that when we slowed down and we saw a smaller amount of patients and spent more quality time with them, revenue did go up. Would you agree, Steve? Absolutely. Yeah, the thing is um, private practice independence is about service. But that's what every uh, independent will tell you. We provide the best service. We provide the best quality product. But it's hard to buy it when somebody says, we provide the best service and your exam is going to be 10 minutes. 
That's true. And I also really feel like the up. patient almost feels a little overwhelmed by the time they get to the optical, right? And then that sure. really changes the relationship and the conversation between the optician and the patient because this patient has already been overwhelmed with rush, rush, rush. Right. So when it comes to anagram and how how exactly do you train these opticians or these eye care professionals to um, have a conversation with these patients? Because technically you're not in network, but you're not out of network, right? Well, it, um, there are a bunch of different ways, I think, to approach it. We have a term of art that we use called open access. Um, there's an article on Spyglass that you can find. Spyglass is Anagram's publication. It's um, what I spend a lot of time doing in, in writing, what I look for as useful, practical pieces of, uh, pieces of advice that uh, practice can use. Um, and Dylan was talking about this earlier, that there are very few useful free resources I'd like to point you all to Spyglass for that. Um, we spend a lot of time and effort to build useful resources. We partner with some of the best folks in the industry to put out high quality content that is not meant to sell you anything. The idea is for you to be able to read the article and think about something you would have learned from the article that you can apply in your practice today to make an impact, again, at, at no charge. If you happen to look at Anagram while you're there and there's interest, great, but that's not why it's there. Um, the article that I just shared uh, is one that I wrote called The Four Primary Ways to Work with Vision Insurance. And um, there are two sets of two categories. Uh, first is in-network and open access. I'm sorry, uh, in-network and opt-out. And the second is out of network and open access. So in network means I've signed an agreement and my, the vision plan has told me what I'm allowed to charge. The vision plan has told me what I'm allowed to sell. The vision plan has told me what I'm allowed to profit every step of the way. I'm hyper limited by the labs that I can use. I'm hyper limited by what I have to offer in order to be profitable. And if at any point the vision plan decides to audit me, I'm subject to fines and lawsuits and the termination of my agreement. Also, I'm subject to those things, even if uh, the vision plan is happy with me. So there's a lot of risk that you run. Opt-out is a uh, subset of 15 states listed in that article that um, can be in, both in-network and take control of their supply chain. So they can be in-network with a given vision plan listed on the website. They are still subject to ordering all of the, or to charging the patient set fees. They're still subject to recouping those fees from the patient, uh, the copays as assigned by the vision plan, but they can use whatever lab they like. So that opens the door for them to use things like private label or um, private label lenses or house label frames, which can lower the cost to the patient while increasing the practice's profitability. And then the logic follows, if you can do that while in network and you can be profitable and save your patient money, then you can do that while out of network. Out of network and open access are sort of related as well. Out of network is what you call a practice that isn't credentialed with a vision plan and, and doesn't do anything to capture those patients. Open access is what we would call anagram practices that they have a mechanism, anagram, that allows them to identify the patient's out-of-network vision reimbursements and then file the claim. So if you take the same principles that you would as an opt-out practice where you're using private label lenses and um, maybe house frames or just inexpensive frames, 
your patient can pay less to the tune of about 20% less than they would pay to an in-network practice. And you can be about 40% more profitable at the same time. Mm. So Heather Harrington, who's on right now, actually mentions that in her last office, she used direct care pricing is how she claimed, or she mentioned it to the patient. She said she filed it with Anagram, but then most of the time when she would do the direct care pricing, it almost beat their insurance or made it worth it for the patient to stay with them because of the patient care and experience. Do you Absolutely. find that most people who work with Anagram have a similar experience here? If they think about what they're offering and why, then yes, right? I think what the, one of the difficulties of making open access successful is so many practices and practitioners and opticians are accustomed to a particular set of lenses and products. So if I'm an optician that grew up with Verilux and I love Verilux and it always works really well. And to be clear, Verilux has great lenses. They make high quality optics. The designs are really clever. They spend a lot of money uh, making those good. Are they the only good progressive in the industry? Absolutely not. Are they worth $400 wholesale? Uh, you know, hard to say, <laughs> but if you want to take care of your patient, you want to give them a great pair of glasses, you can do that without uh, breaking the bank for them. Now, something else that I think gets lost in this conversation is where we are in you know, our economy. Your average American um, cannot handle a surprise $500 expense. That is devastating to them economically. So why are we talking about lenses that retail for $1,200? all that as our like first move it is it any wonder then that patients and think that private practice is way more expensive than your Warby Parkers or your Zennies they think that because the prices they're presented with are way high and they have to be presented that way because you can't change your prices for vision plan patients and non-vision plan patients and you're always want to, uh, you always want to be offering the highest quality product. And that in, for a vision plan is the most expensive one. I do find that practices have the challenge of the competition of Warby Parker or Costco or Sam's Club. Do you feel like when people position Anagram in their practices, this could be a really great way for them to compete against that? I'm going to call it not so true that those types of companies are cheaper than an independent practice. They're not necessarily, and they don't certainly don't have to be. I think mm. going back to the question that you asked earlier is because we've always done it this way is the worst reason to do something. So many practices went high end when it made sense to do that and are stuck down that road despite digital progressives, private label digital progressives catching up. Uh, over the last couple of years, or the last five, 10 years. So there was a time when Verilux made kind of definitively the best progressive on the market, but that was 20 years ago. Um, you don't have to have this really expensive product to make it worth your while. So if I, I see a lot of forum comments about practices, you know, not caring if their patients leave to go to Warby or not caring if they leave to go to Costco because they're not going to buy my products anyway. But if you have a product that fits in the Warby pricing model or, or the Costco pricing model, and you are profitable and significantly profitable, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with meeting the patient where they are? 
And let's think about it as a comparison to vision insurance. So when you sell a uh, like an end category progressive with VSP, and I use that as an example, not to badmouth VSP because, but they're really consistent with their pricing. So it's easy to, to quote. So when you use an end category progressive, you're going to charge the patient like $110 copay. You're going to net something like 40 bucks on that lens. Is there a way to charge the patient less and still net 40 bucks on a set of progressives? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So how does it, so I'm glad you brought that up because when it comes to chargebacks, that's one of the hardest things for an office to look at with their EOBs. You mentioned that in some cases you can almost, I think you said double revenue when you work with Anagram and you're able to really walk away from those chargebacks. Can you share a little bit more about what that would look like in that process? It's uh, It would take a little bit of digging into the numbers, but in essence, um, if you uh, find a high quality progressive manufactured without all of the bells and whistles that come with high branding and marketing and all the costs associated there, you can lower your costs of doing business, your cost of goods for that pair of glasses. Um, if let's uh, the exercise that I would ask anybody who's in network to do is pick uh, your most recent pair of high end progressives, right? That sold through a vision plan and do the math. Um, if, take a look at what you charge the patient, take a look at the chargebacks you received, find out your actual cost of doing that, of putting that pair of glasses together, just the materials, you know, don't include overhead in there because your overhead will continue uh, onward. If you do the math, odds are you're going to be netting something like $100, $120 on that pair of glasses um, after costs, maybe a little lower, maybe a little higher, depending on how your practice uh, operates. But let's say it's about $100. Do the math and find out what package can I offer that will net me $100 or more. The second you're making more than $100 on a pair of glasses, you are beating the vision plan in terms of the revenue you're bringing home. It's, it doesn't, the math doesn't have to be that complicated. Identify what your actual profitability is and then beat that number with your own private label package. So Alicia, I wanna give you a shout out because you mentioned IOT lenses are phenomenal and less expensive. Can Absolutely. you, um, Alicia, can I have you jump off really quickly um, of mute? I believe that you are an Anagram customer today, right? Correct. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about the practice that you work with and how you work with Anagram. So um, we are cash only. We only work with independent frame lines, independent lenses, and independent labs. We are trying to break away from the norm. Um, so we use Anagram. We use the direct care model as well. Um, we actually have some videos on our website explaining to our patients what is direct care? Why do you choose to be out of network? What's the difference? Um, and even explaining what the process is like of an exam um, with direct care versus buying glasses, using Anagram to bill for that benefit. Um, Anagram's been, I would disagree. I think it's super easy to pull up a patient's benefits <laughs> and just be like, boom, boom, boom. This is what you're gonna get back. This is our pricing. We're just very transparent and patients tend to like it. We are able to a lot for a full hour for the exam right now um, to really give that patient the full experience of customer service. So you have been in both 
the managed vision care side as well as the anagram side. Being over on the cash pay, focusing on anagram and the direct patient care, um, how has this created ease in the process for you? Uh, it's so different. I did all of the billing at the practice that I was at before. We were in network with every single insurance possible, VBA, Avesis, you name them all. Um, and it was never about eye contact or customer service or what is, you know, what's the best for the patient. It was totally in co-pays to get the maximum a dollar amount from the patient back. Um, and that's kind of what I tell patients too. I say, you know, our, our exams are fair pricing. It's 125, but if you go in network, you might say you have a $25 copay, but really then you have $39 for optos or retinal photography. And then they'll add another $20 copay for maybe an OCT. Like it's never just your copay. Um, mm. So look at that. And I say, you're going to get, you know, $50 back from anagram. Really we're the same price as in network and you get a better experience. Mm, I love that. I love that. So it sounds like when you're incorporating anagram, you really get to focus on the patient care side rather than working for an insurance company that really doesn't care about anybody. That's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, and most patients, once I tell them, you know, you're going to get 150 or however much they're going to get back on their glasses, they will look at the totals and we kind of give them both, you know, say it's the $600, you're getting 150 back. They'll be like, well, that's what I pay in network anyway. <laughs> like 99% uh, they tell me. So that's awesome. Thank you so much, Alicia. Um, back at Steve. You, Steve, I want to ask you, who are the key partners that you're looking for um, that would benefit Anagram? Or will that Anagram would benefit them? It's a, it's a great question, and it's uh, an answer that's evolving right now. So historically, Anagram's been in business for over seven years, helping practices on the out-of-network side. So if you're a practice that uh, sees patients on an out-of-network basis or answers phone calls from patients who want to see you on an out-of-network basis, Anagram can help. And what I mean by that is, you know, uh, there are a lot of practices that have evaluated vision plans and decided one or the other is definitely not good for the business. Some of the things that you hear thrown around about the kind of the lower performing vision plans, people don't want to take them, but that doesn't stop patients from calling the practice. So if a, a practice it, it receives a phone call from a patient, the patient will say something like, I have versant, do you accept it? And then the practice will say no, and then both sides will hang up the phone. What the practice is missing is that the patient called your practice and what they're actually saying is, hey, practice, I want to give you some money. Do you want to take it? And the practice says no, and then they hang up the phone. What Anagram allows the practice to do instead is to say, just give me a few pieces of information and I will let you know what your benefits are here. And the math is um, like Alicia laid out, like Heather laid out, the math is actually fairly easy to do because out of network reimbursements are solid dollar amounts for um, exam frame and lenses. You don't get these, you know, hyper confusing schedules of if you get this AR, it's going to be $60. You get that AR, it's going to be $51 or, or whatever. It's your product, your prices, whatever discount you want to give or no discount, your labs, your service. And the difference between being an open access provider and being an in-network provider is that your patients are yours because you're you. 
when you're out of network or open access. When you're in network, your patients belong to the vision plan. And that's what the vision plan thinks. And that's what the patient thinks. And unless you do a really stellar job of convincing the patient otherwise, that's what you think too. That is so true. That is absolutely true. Uh, Ms. Heather, could you jump off mute really quickly? Because you had mentioned a strategy that you had about um, offering a discount on your progressives and still making more money. Could you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So really quickly, I just want to let you know, Steve, you are just super well-spoken. I always love to hear you talk. <laughs> oh, I really do. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah. I just, when we met and I was like, God, I was like, I'm just always going to be involved in whatever this guy has to say. <laughs> um, but uh, so we started offering, so we use IoT um, products as well. So same as Alicia and um, we just offered our regular pricing, just like Steve said, you could offer discounts and you cannot offer discounts. It kind of is just like really how you want to run your optical, you know, and our, um, so our progressive price, just so I could be super transparent, right? Our progressive price was about, you know, 419 typical actually in our state right now, it's sitting at about 450, but a lot of people are hiring their prices just because insurance is hiring their prices. So you don't, you don't have to think that way. If you're just going to offer the prices when it comes with the profitability that you need for your cost of goods, kind of like what Steve was saying, you know, you could actually really just profit a lot by doing a progressive. And then you got your anti-reflective coating, which a lot of people have really heightened that price too, because insurance is very expensive, but you don't have to do that. And we all know that we don't have to be profiting $300, $400 on a progressive lens. That's not, that's not normally where we get a lot of our money. But when you offered 25% off of the lenses, we were beating the copays. So I would just do math both ways because, you know, everyone hates that. I'm at formula. That's like a $95 copay. You get 20% off of your UNC and then $120 allowance. That's so like, you know, that's just so much for a patient that I just think that the experience of just being able to be like, hey, I actually beat your insurance price on lenses. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a better price, better product going to come quicker because now at this point we could you know actually say my lab is local um which people really love in my state and it was just offering them a better price and instead of eating you know a 290 dollars feed that not only did my doctor not get paid for the exam but now we just paid 190 dollars for a set of lenses when with anti-reflective coating and instead i could charge a little bit cheaper but actually profit maybe 200 dollars mm -hmm. you know um, and then that's not even including the profit you're getting for a frame. And we just started doing that. And I just told the opticians to do whatever benefited the patient. Um, and if it was up to 30%, that's what we we're going to do. But we noticed that it was about 25% just to beat the insurance copays, um, distinctively with IMED, just because they're not quite there, um, with some of those plans. Thank you, Heather. And when it comes to the training, Steve, I want to ask you, what do you think is easier? training a new employee on how to do managed vision care or training an employee on how to work anagram? Uh, this one's a no-brainer. I don't have to give context for this one. Anagram is so much easier to use because like Heather was laying out, the formularies for vision insurances, vision plans are deliberately opaque. They're hard to understand. They're hard to understand for people who've been doing this for 20 years. Imagine being a patient coming in, being told you have insurance when actually you've got a discount plan with extra steps. And then you've got a professional optician sitting across the table from you talking to you about fractions and percents and categories of ARs. And your eyes will glaze over worse than being dilated 
because you're you have no concept of what's being explained to you because it doesn't actually make sense as opposed to here's our price you're going to receive $150 back from your vision plan in two to four weeks in the form of a check. Have a great day. Yeah, right. All right. So I feel a little inspired. Okay, I do. I feel a little inspired. And if I was an eye care professional, I think that I would really want to explore more options on how my practice can get involved. And I know that you have a blog under the name of Spyglass. And I know that you mm -hmm. mentioned it earlier on, but when we talk about taking the first steps of breaking away of managed vision care, could Spyglass be the first step for us to figure out how to move away? What, what are your thoughts? I would certainly hope so. Um, so at, on Spyglass, if you go to this link, um, it is our being open access section. Um, it is laid out for you. There's even a little indicator that says start here. Um, there are three articles that will help you uh, learn about how we look at the uh, insurance, vision insurance industry. Um, the first article there is the four primary ways to work with vision insurance. That lays the groundwork of kind of your options. And if you're in the 15 opt-out states, that's a great place to begin. It, it starts to break you away from the supply chain, if nothing else. You'll start to look at different products. You'll start to look at different labs. You'll think about how much stuff actually costs you and make start to make more careful decisions. Then the next article is how to become an open uh, and out-of-network provider. And that is literally a step-by-step -step guide of how to evaluate what to do once you've made a decision, what, uh, what the letter should look like that you send to the vision plan, what you do once you've sent the letter, um, how to build a private pay business outside of vision insurances. And then the last article there is a case study that we did with East Main Vision Clinic that shows that not only can you drop a vision plan, you can drop all of them if you do it the right way. So the, the goal for me in putting Spyglass together and for Anagram is to provide useful information to make all kinds of better informed decisions. I mean, we're experts at the vision insurance side of things, so we have a little bit of a focus there, but we've got practice management articles. Actually, if you look at the practice management section, and I'll share my screen real quick just so you guys can have a, a quick look at it. Um, this is our last six articles on building your dream team. It's an article that talks about the overall process of hiring, approaching recruitment, interviewing, um, the a repeatable onboarding process, training plan and retention, 30, 60, 90. I know Heather saw this one earlier, um, but these are the kinds of tools and resources that I uh, would find valuable if I was in practice. And um, I hope other eye care professionals do as well. Yes, that is so important for us to have a place to go to be able to have a step by step to be able to start breaking free. Oftentimes, we start to fear that these managed vision care companies are our marketing resource. And so how do you think, um, how can we address the thinking that vision insurances is the only marketing for practices? It's a great question. It's a, a really important topic. And I think a lot of it stems from a misunderstanding of marketing. So um, I, at Anagram, I'm head of marketing and partnerships. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how to get customers and how to make sure people have eyes on our product. And um, 
one of the things that I'm concerned with is I have a budget to deal with. And one of the things in my budget is customer acquisition costs. So I have to think about how much does it cost me to get a, a customer into Anagram or onto Anagram's website and, and figure out how to do that as efficiently as possible. Now, many ECPs don't think about their marketing in those terms. And certainly they don't think about their vision plans in those terms. But if you were to think about it, and I'll, Lena, do you mind if we do a quick bit of role-playing? Oh, no, I love role-play. Okay. Let's do this. Right. Awesome. So you run your optical. I'm going to be a, a, a marketing agent, a, secretly a vision plan. You ready? Ready. Okay. Hey, Lena, uh, I'm going to drive 300 patients through your door this year. How does that sound? I'm excited. Tell me more. Awesome. Awesome. It's going to cost you 60% of your revenue. How does that sound? Not so great. I take it back. Not so great. Yeah. But that is the math that vision plans actually are. And it's not 60% of your revenue once. So customer acquisition cost in uh, marketing terms is something that you pay until you get the customer in. Once they're your customer, it is incumbent on you to retain them. But with vision plans, you pay that fee every year. Mm. Every time the patient comes to you, you are paying acquisition cost again. But if you had done the marketing yourself, they come in and like I said earlier, they see you because you're you. Guess what happens next year? What? They're coming to see you because you're still you and they still chose you because you're you. So you're telling me that I can create a relationship and save money without having to have my insurances market for me. Bingo. As a matter of fact, I know that there are influencers are the next big thing. And I know that most practices that are out there are always looking for a way to be seen on for the next generation, social media, TikTok, things of that sort. And there are actually really great ways to be able to get in contact with different influencers to help you market your practice. And actually, I've, um, I worked with a practice who utilized that strategy, and they said that they had an ROI within the first three hours of having that influencer push and market their accounts or their office. So Mark, um, excuse me, influencers are a really amazing way to go. Absolutely. Well, um, I, think, I think in order for an influencer to be successful or any kind of marketing to be successful, practice really has to know who they are and what they want to be. Um, I think part part of what's often missing about, about practices, if you look at websites, I've looked at thousands of practice websites at this point, and they all say basically the same thing. We offer high quality products, we offer family loving service, whatever else, but they don't really answer the question of why. If you put yourself in the patient's shoes and you Google eye doctor near me and you look at the first three websites, because that's all the patient's ever going to do, they all say the same thing and none of them give the patient a reason to pick you not an explicit one. Everything speaks. Everything speaks. And in that order for you to have a clear message, you have to understand who you are and who you want to be and convey oh that God. with everything that you do. That is good. That is good stuff right there. Oh, that is good stuff. And I believe that with your website, I believe it with your business model. And I also believe it with your frame selection. Um, and I do want to give a quick shout out to Charmise, who is the manager of Spectrum Eye Care in Colorado Springs. And something that I just want to shout out with you, Ms. Char, is that your frame selection and your customer service and the way that you handle people is beyond the level of most practices. And I just wanna give you a shout out for that because 
um, it's not easy because you do take multiple insurances. What is one thing that you could share with the group that could help them capture that what makes me different vibe? Oh, I can't hear you, Ms. Shar. Oh, that's okay. We'll come back to you, Ms. Shar. But I do want to give her a shout out because she really is very eclectic with all these. And what we're speaking on today, um, she really walks the walk on that. And I think that Anagram, Steve, I should, you guys should really connect because you guys would just perfect. I'd love to. All right. So last question. Do you have any questions for me, Steve? Ooh. Um, what in your mind is the biggest obstacle from independent eye care being more successful than it has been? Mm. Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, staff development is a big one. I think if we could really focus on staff development and getting our people up and running and confident in what they're doing, I think that could take us to the next level when it comes to eye care and really bringing independence back. I think the other thing is clarifying our managed care. When I ask every single practice that I walk into, what is the biggest struggle that you face? Every single one of them say managed vision care. And so I am beyond excited to know that we have an alternative option, something that is what else. Mm -hmm. And I love that we've got to hear from multiple people today how easy it is to work with you. And so I think that you're a game changer. I think that what you're creating here with Spyglass and with Anagram is completely a game changer. And I know that for me, as I'm talking to practices and I'm hearing them struggle with managed vision care, you're definitely going to be somebody that I refer them to. 100%. Awesome. Joe, did you raise your hand? Do you have something that you want to add? Yeah, I had a, uh, selfishly, I had a question for you, Steve. Uh, I was just on the phone today with an ECP, the largest one in Los Angeles, and they were griping about this exact topic, wanting to pull back from managed vision care. So, and I chat with a lot of ECPs. What would you say is your singular biggest piece of advice for a practice that's looking to pull back from the amount of managed vision care that they're processing? Uh, I'm already promoting anagram, so you can't say anagram. Uh, <laughs> But I'm curious, it might be different if it's a cold start practice versus a legacy practice, but I've just this, the single biggest thing you think that they can do differently or how they can start on that path. I think it, it's, a, it's a great question. Thanks, Joe. It's um, if, if I were giving any practice advice about starting to evaluate it, I would suggest taking a bottom up approach. What I mean by that is um, there's going to be an instinctive response from practices when you say that because they're going to immediately think, well, these are my bottom ones. And, you know, that's a, a, usually a great place to begin. If there are vision plans that they already hate taking, start there. That's an easy place to begin because you already know you don't like it. You already know you're not making money on it. So quit spinning your wheels. Um, but let's let's assume for a sec that somebody has somehow no opinion about this. Let's say that your practice sees a thousand patients a year and 10% of those patients come from a low reimbursing vision plan. Uh, if you drop that vision plan today with no plan of action to retain those patients, what's likely to happen? 
you're going to lose 10% of your patient base. That's 100 patients. Um, so on the surface, that sounds pretty bad. That's rough. But if you actually do the math and you look at what those patients are bringing in in terms of top line revenue and much, much more importantly, bottom line revenue, what are you actually losing? So a low reimbursing vision plan, if they make up 10% of your patient base, will typically make up something like 6 to 7% of your top line revenue. And in that case, they're going to make something like 2 to 3% of your bottom line revenue. So then the question the practice has to answer is, is 10% of my time worth 2% of my revenue? And the answer to that question is always no. Is there a service that you know of that can assist an independent ECP with trying to perform a, an analysis like that? Or is that really incumbent upon them? Um, there are uh, a lot of consultancies that can certainly help um, people who dig into the numbers. I think the difficulty with practices is they have to let somebody in to see that right. information. Right. Um, but in a, in a case like what you're describing, this is something that I'd be happy to do. Uh, for them. It's actually, it's not that hard. The The idea, like, uh, uh, let me rephrase. It's not that hard if they have good data. If they can go into their EHR or whatever uh, data aggregator that they're using and identify what percentage of their patient base is a given vision plan or all of the given vision plans, then the math is really easy to do. And I can make a case that the math says you should drop these three plans right now. And if you lose all those patients, good. Mm. that's not always going to be the case but if the math you know that the math can say that now what i would say further to that is there's no reason to let those patients walk right if you if 100 if 10% uh, of your patients have a vision plan that you no longer take and you bring in anagram you're going to give them a reason to stay you're going to offer them better quality product like heather was saying better quality product at the same or lower price and delivered faster from a lab that cares about the work they put out. I think the other thing that is never mentioned in this conversation is labs are just as stuck in this vision plan miasma as everybody else. If your margins are razor thin, their margins are razor thin also. And if you've got to see a bunch more patients to keep your money flowing, then they've got to do a bunch more jobs to keep their money flowing. And if you're struggling to grow the bottom line, then so are they. And uh, and they're going to take shortcuts. The, the uh, skipping the the four point inspection at final at the lab is the equivalent of a ten minute eye exam in the office. People will find a way to get it, you know, done as well as they can given the constraints that they're presented with. So you want to do the actual math and understand the actual implications of the decisions that you're making. Awesome. Thank that you, is such good information. I really think that today we've had such juicy information on how to keep into practice, independent practices independent. And I am really thankful to that Peak Artisan Labs and the Artisan Lab Networks have been able to partner with you, Steve and Anagram, on helping people make more money and have better solid patient care. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We will have a follow-up email that is going to have all of the links that Steve shared today um, for Spyglass, as well as for Anagram. It'll also have the, um, the OAC event coming up and I hope to see all of you there. Thank you all for coming to Mastermind series number two.
Next one is coming up um, on the third Thursday of August. And uh, we'll see you guys then. Thank you all Thanks, so everybody. much for being here. Bye.